0: All right, Jameson, you're going to be our first little Bapticostal. <laughs> Amen. How y'all doing today? Well, it's good to be here this morning already, and I'm excited. I don't know about y'all, but another year kicking off to minister to kids. We're going to be kicking off what we call BLAST around here, which stands for Building Lives Around Sound Truth. You know, it is fun to come to church and have a blast. Amen. And so we kind of play on that. But if all you do is come to church because you like it, you can love church. You can come every service. But you can die going to hell loving your church. Being there every time it opens. And so what is BLAST about? It's about building lives around the sound truth. That means healthy truth. Truth that can change and prepare your life for eternity. And as you look with me here, Deuteronomy is not a verse that we usually book we look to a whole whole lot but I believe it's probably got one of the most important foundations of the whole Bible in it it was given to Moses to the children of Israel right after he gave them the Ten Commandments which is the 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 biggest portion the most important portion of the words that he gave them in the Old Testament but he told Moses if you look with me in verse 1 of chapter 6 Moses says, now this is the commandment. Let me get my glasses. Getting old is not fun. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. And then he tells them a few other things. When you get down to chapter 6, verse 6, he says, Now these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, not in your mind, in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house. And on your gates, I want you to be mindful of something. They didn't have a Bible to carry around. They didn't have a written copy of God's word. They learned it on Sabbath day in synagogue. And they taught it by passing it on to their children. And their children passed it on to the grandchildren. And it was memorized to the point they meditated on it. In the beginning, they started something that was an awesome thing. They had a box they called a phylactery, and a father would put that scripture into that box and he would read it to that kid and that kid till he memorized it. And then he would put it on that kid's forehead and he would wear it that day as a reminder to meditate, to focus on that word that was so important. Guys, we can come to blast, we can eat. We can party, we can have fun, but if they don't know the word of God, they don't learn the word of God, they will not survive in this world today. Amen. I want you to think about this. Children, the Bible says, is a heritage from the Lord. It is a reward. Did I turn it off somehow again? Oh, here we go. Yes, what did I do? I got to get past that first slide. I'm sorry, sister, but I'll read it to you. As she's getting it where we can put it back up there. I'm going to put it in the New Living Translation because I like kind of how it brings it out. But you've heard this verse before. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. The King James says they are a heritage from the Lord. Children born to a young man, the Bible says, are like arrows in a warrior's hand. And how joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. A home without children will never be what God intended it to be, although there's sometimes he doesn't give his children. A church without children is a dying church, I'm here to tell you. Thank God for these kids. Thank God for these people who have a mind and a heart to invest in kids. And the Bible says that children are a reward, they're a gift. They're, and, and those who are born to a, a young man is like an arrow in a warrior's hand, I, I praying about that and and and, you know i don't know if you ever thought about that but here's a bow and um you know a quiver quiver full of arrows i don't know if any of you ever bow hunted but you can't just grab an arrow stick it on your bow and expect it to shoot it where you expect it to go arrows are much better now there's a lot better tolerance but how many of you remember the old days of aluminum arrows and Fixed broadheads, and you put that thing on there and you shot it. You might not know where it's actually going to go the first few shots. You had to tune it. You had to adjust that broadhead. Those aluminum arrows were bad about getting a little warp in them, and all of a sudden they wouldn't group. And You see, your arrow has to be balanced. This one right here is ready to shoot something. It's just straight, balanced. It's got a mechanical broadhead on it. I know because I have taken time to tune it, to make sure that broadhead is on there right. In the old days, you would have had to sharpen it. Make sure it was mounted right. Every arrow shoots different. Every one of these arrows has a different number on it. And every time you shoot, you watch it. And the one arrow shoots there. It always groups. It shoots the same place. That, oh, this number four don't do right. It, 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 every now and then, it, it flies where it wants. A child is very much like an arrow. If you don't take time to tune him, you don't take time to sharpen them, to create in them the balance of what God needs to have in their life. When you turn them loose, you don't know where they're going to go. They're not going to fly straight and they're going to miss their mark. And today, too many kids are missing the mark. Too many kids are misflying and going where they want. And I'm here today to tell you, my friends, it's costing us our. Churches, it's costing our our homes, it's costing us our country, it's costing the world. Are you paying attention to what's happening to our children? How the cultures just gradually took over? I want to show you something. The culture is doing everything it can to rob your children of their innocence and turn them away from God's truth. Every day, every moment, through every means possible. And we're just sitting around, going through the motions of church, having fun, putting anything else before God. Now, I'm going to be the first one to tell you it's not our job to raise your kids. It's not our responsibility to primarily disciple them. That's your job, but we are here to undergird you and to do everything possible to build upon the foundation that God gave you to build. In Jesus Christ And I don't know about you But I take it seriously Because I look around And there is a wave of anti-God propaganda That is seeking out the hearts and minds Of young kids through the media And the schools And our own government is promoting it And using every means possible To take over your kids' minds So that they can rule their hearts And they are against our Jesus 100% As a matter of fact, I believe this with all my heart. We must teach our children early and diligently about biblical truth or we will lose them to this confused and godless culture. It's so confused, it's so godless that they're teaching your kids in your public schools That there are people who can choose what gender they want to be. And they're giving them a right to be a transgender if they want to. And the government is working right now to make it where the school has more authority over your child. If they decide they show signs of that to begin the process of transgenderism against your knowledge. And if you don't take drastic means to be first to teach your kids that God made a man and God made a woman, and he didn't make anything else, that you don't get to pick what gender you want to be. And that's just one of many things. You see, we, teaching our kids the truth of God's word with our words, what we teach them, you got to do it you got to just do more than bring them to church and go home. you got to do more than drop them off. Youth group is not a church club. Blast is not a church gang. Blast is our opportunity to do what many parents aren't doing, and it is to, yes, have fun, yes, do what we can to, to reach physical needs. with them. But if we don't give them the Word of God and build a foundation in them, if we don't teach the parents the importance, they're going to lose their kids, and we're going to lose our generations. We're losing the church over... Listen. You got to tell them the truth every day. You can start young. That's what they're doing, and then you got to also tell them about the way you live your life. You got—they got to see you in the Word. They got to know you're a person of the Word. You got to build your life. Did you see what he told Moses? He said, "And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart." To get them into their heart, they're not going to get it by just getting a little dose of it once a week and getting it in their mind. What he's talking about when you look at verse 1, he says, now this is the commandments. uh, And these are the statutes and the the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded you. He's talking about in chapter 5, the Ten Commandments. How many of you can know the Ten Commandments? I will have no gods before me. I will not create a carved image. Do you know I will not take the Lord's name in vain. I will honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. I will honor my father and my mother. According to thy commandments, I will not murder. I will not steal. I will not lie. I will not commit adultery. I will not. You see, I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to like. But if your child is coming to church and they can't. Tell you the Ten Commandments, you're failing and we're failing bad. Because when you get one to about 15 or 20, 15, and they don't even know the Ten Commandments, and they've chosen the world's view, they're gone. The world is conforming them and teaching them an ungodly, demonic belief system. And we sit in here passively playing church. And not realizing that we're losing the battle. I'm going to tell you this before we get to the good stuff. Choose not to fight this battle. And your child is guaranteed to become a casualty of the war for his soul. Guaranteed. I watch it every day. They don't believe in God. They don't believe the word of God. Because they were never exposed to him and his word. And they were never taught. And they were never shown. You see, it's not just you telling them you got to live it. They need to see playing parents. They need to see word parents in the word seeking. They need to see humble parents who admit when they fail. They need to see parents who's the most important thing in their life ain't hobbies and ball games and junk of the world. It's nothing wrong with that in its place. But you see, they just gradually moved it on. They would do it on Wednesday night. Now they do it on Sunday. See, Sunday used to be our Sabbath. Then it became our Lord's Day. Then it became... Our off day. (laughs) And friends, I'm here to tell you, this day is the Lord's day. It's the Christian Sabbath. You're still supposed to keep it holy and keep it for the Lord. And friends, listen, today there are people who are sending their kids to colleges so they can play sports and get free admission, and they come back a complete woke, (laughs) disturbed, confused person. That's just like these ungodly colleges. Friends, listen, I'm telling you. Yes, it's good to have a secular education to get a good job. But what does it mean if they get a good education and get a good job and you get it paid for free and they make a million dollars and they have the American dream and they die with no Jesus? And that's what it's happening. And not only if they don't have Jesus, then they won't have Jesus' principles. And when you don't have Jesus' principles, you won't have a conscience. You won't have a heart that desires to know right and wrong and do right and wrong. And may I tell you, you say, that's Old Testament, preacher. You should teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them When you sit in your house And when you walk by the way When you lie down and when you rise up You shall bind them as a sign on your hand And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes You shall write them on the doorpost of your house And your gates Why? Because the word of God Is the most important thing That you can ever teach your family And hand down to your children And your grandchildren Jesus said the same thing He says these words that I'm teaching you. He says, the man who hears these sayings, these teachings and does them, I will liken to a wise man who built his house upon that foundation. And when the storms of life come and the waves and the enemy comes in like a roaring lion, he'll stand because he's built upon the foundation of my words. But the man who hears my words and does them not, I will liken to a fool. And when the storms come and the tempest roars and the devil comes, they will fall and great will that fall be. Do you not see it around us? And it all starts with and ends with what we do with the word of God. Jesus would agree. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your. Children, you know, if you was to turn in your Bible with me, you can, if you want, back to Psalm 127, where we got that verse a while ago. In Psalm 127, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. And look at what it says. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. And they shall not be ashamed. Friends, listen. What a blessing to have a full quiver of little arrows that God's blessed you with. One of my favorite psalms in the whole Bible is the one under it, Psalm 128. It's speaking and showing you a picture of what a family looks like when you do what I'm talking about. When you, you, you fear the Lord and you walk in his ways. And God blesses the labor of your hands. Not with Banking accounts and retirement plans, but with a fruitful, healthy, flourishing family. You see, we've traded it in. Our families are disrupted and and all messed up, but we got money. We got a bank account. We got retirement. We got insurance. We got everything money can buy, but a flourishing, healthy home that honors God. And I want you to see what he says right here in verse 128. I mean chapter 128. Man, this is awesome. It shows you the whole thing. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. And if you fear the Lord and you wonder if you do, you walk in his ways. If you're not walking in the Lord's ways, quit telling yourself you fear him. A man who fears the Lord, references the Lord is in all of who the Lord is. He's going to listen to him enough to try to do what he says. And walk in his ways. And as we walk in his ways, listen what he says. He says, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. How many of us living in a home, you wish that was what you had? I like it, what the, the, the New Living Translation says. It says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord, who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. And then look at what it says. It says, when we fear the Lord enough to take his word and follow it and build our life upon it, build our marriage upon it, our, our children's upon it, listen how he describes it right there in verse 3. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. You see, your wife will be like a, and from the heart of your house, she'll be a fruitful vine. And from that vine, she can feed and nurture and, and, and bring all the things that are needed. For you to have children like this, your children will be like olive plants all around your table. I like how this one says, that the, the New Living Translation says, Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. And your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. Them Lewis boys are some vigorous young boys, amen? But guys, listen, that's a description of something healthy that's prosperous, that's flourishing the way God created it to be. But you notice where this happens at. In that passage and the one above, it says, happy is the man whose quiver is full of these kids. And then it says right here, he says, as you sit around the table. What do you do when you sit around the table? The table where you sit used to be where all the main things of a family took place. How many of you remembered when you sat around the family together every day? Now, where we grew up, we got up in the morning, we ate breakfast. And then we had lunch. But at night, we had supper, where I come from. Now, you may call it dinner, and that's okay. But where I grew up, we called it supper. And you always sat together at supper. And when we'd sit together, everybody had a place. My daddy, my mama, me, my brother, and my sister. And that's where all the important things of the day got talked about. It's where you learn things that you needed to learn. So sitting at that table is a great opportunity for you to talk to your kids and to listen to your kids and to share with your kids the things that we need to be taught. Diligently teach them all the words of life instilling them. When you get up in the morning, a child needs to be in a place where they know that that household starts with the word of God. And they need you to know that my parents are... Students of the Word of God. One of my favorite memories of my dad before he died, once he got right with God, was every day he sat in that swing in the backyard, and we'd get up to go to work. He was already sitting there waiting on me. I was usually late, and he'd be sitting there with a Bible and that red man. He never quit chewing that red man. I guess he trusted grace. But anyway, I'd sit there. He had all the grass dead around that swing, and he'd be reading that Bible. My mama, to this day, I know if I call, the first thing she's going to do when she gets up in the morning is I'm in my word. I'll call you back. Or she's reading her Bible. And friends, listen, that was late in my life. I didn't get that when I was young. But it, I can think of the impact it made. Can you think of the impact it would make on a kid that all they ever remembered was their mama and daddy was in the word. And the word was in them. And they tried to follow the word. And they lived out the word. And they taught me the word. And they shared with me. And they put those principles in my mouth so that one day it got in my heart. And they taught me the importance of meditating on it and understanding what it means. And not just randomly hearing a preacher and jump in the car and forget about it like you never heard it. No, build your life upon it, son. Wrap it around your neck like a beautiful necklace, my daughter. And it will grace you for all the days of your life. That's what the Bible says about its word. And listen to what he says. He says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who will follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful, grateful, flourishing vine within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around a table. That is the Lord's blessing to those who fear him. Is that not awesome? That is the Lord's blessing to those who fear him, believe in him. Understand him enough to follow him. And then look at what he says. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. Zion was the place of worship. That's where the temple sat on Mount Zion. It's speaking of where they worshiped. It would be today our church. This today would be their Zion. And I don't know about you, but when you're living right with God and you're raising your family the way you come come to church... You ain't got to say the preacher ain't feeding me. The church ain't got what I need. I don't like the music. When you gather with a family who's already been with God, you'll experience blessings in the house of God. Amen? Now, there's not, I understand you got to go find one that if the Spirit of God is at. And, but you won't keep finding what the church lacks. When you come already been with God and raising your family in the Word of God, you'll come to that church seeing the things God is doing. And he says that the, you'll be continually blessed in the church. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. Jerusalem was their home place. That's where they were at. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but I'm praying if everybody began to do this, if this is what God said is, can you imagine? America used to have a lot of this, and we did see a lot of our hometowns prosper. And you know what he said? Look at verse 6. And may you live to enjoy your grandchildren. The King James says, and may you see and enjoy your children's children. Today, it's sad to be a pastor and watch how many times grandchildren are not a joy. They become a burden. And how many times the kid is no longer a blessing. He's become a problem. Friends, when we do it God's way, our grandkids, but God's saying this, not me. He says, this is the blessing of who, who fears the Lord. And then the last thing he says, and there will be peace in Israel. Israel was their nation. You know why there's no peace in America? There's no word of God in America. You know why we struggle to see our grandchildren to be like we used to be? Our grandchildren didn't have the America that we had. I went to school with the Ten Commandments on the wall. I went to school where we prayed every day with the principal. I went to school where they talked about things based on the truth. (laughs) I went to school when adultery was wrong. When being married was right, and if you didn't get married, you were in adultery. When whatever you did against God was considered not good. Today, if you honor God, you're looked at as bad. And we wonder why it's so messed up. Well, I'm here to tell you, it's not going to go back to the days of when you were young. Grandpa and Grandma. And it's not going to be the way it was when you was a child, mom and dad. We're in a war. And the only way we're going to win is to take up this holy book and teach it diligently to our children and build those teachings and those principles and those statutes and reestablish them back into our families again and say, thus saith the Lord, trumps everything. The president, the Supreme Court your school, and here in this home, Jesus is Lord. And as for me and your mama, we have decided to serve the Lord. How about you? That's what you have to do, mom and dad. And friends, I want you to think about this with me as we look at this last verse. What? It's not going. Well, anyway, just look at it which in your Bible. I put it on there, but it ain't showing up. I had a feeling that might. When you're over there where we was at, this verse is, I, I can't believe I forgot to put it on there. But in verse 29 of chapter 5, listen to it real good. This is what Moses said. Oh, that they had such a heart in them. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments. Why is that important? So that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Did you hear that? Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments. That it might be well with them and with their children forever. You might not think this is important. You might not believe me. But our children are being, every day, robbed from us. A guy named Randy Alcorn. He's written quite a few best-selling Christian books. He cited a survey of 70,000 random children that found that on an average, sexting began in the fifth grade. Do you know what sexting is? Texting and sex, you put it together and you share. Now, I remember when I was a little boy that some kids got caught looking at one another and they got punished and whooped. But now they're sending it to one another on these cameras you give them. Pornography consumption begins on an average in children at eight years old. That's what he found. And if your child has open access to a phone or a computer, he is in danger of being one of these statistics. Pornography and addiction was found to already be established by the age of 11. 11. 11. If you don't take this battle personally, you will lose. But I don't know what you believe, but I believe Jesus can overcome anything and everything. And in him, we are victorious. I wouldn't do what I do. We're going to teach kids. I hope you'll bring them. And if you ain't got none, build our lives around sound truth. We're going to teach them the Bible. I want to tell our teachers It's not enough just to have them in a class and have fun. You got to ask God to anoint you, to give you the ability to teach those kids that word and get it in them. Pray right now already, Lord, help me to be a soul winner. Teach me how to share that faith. I want to win one to the Lord. Don't bring them to me. God put you in that class. He gave you that spear of influence. You're the one who's connected with them. They're going to trust you. They're going to look to you. They're going to watch you. When you bring them to me, it's like bringing them to the principal. The spirit doesn't quit working before you get there. Oh, no, I'm going to the preacher's office. Now he wants to get saved. Preacher, he don't want to get saved. He just wants to sit there and look at me like he's scared to death. You've got to do it while the spirit's working and the word's working. You do it. You do it, teachers. Thank God for you. Because you can do it because God puts you where he puts you because he knows you have a heart for these kids. And guys, listen, we got a wonderful year coming up. I want to just ask all of our teachers to come up. I know we got fifth and sixth graders Is Brother Jim and Miss Allison. Would y'all come up here? Please. In the, Ashley, I'm sorry, Miss Ashley. <laughs> y'all know how I am with names. Miss Ashley, this is going to be their first year. Brother Jim. He blessed me in VBS. He was up here and he was working with the boys. He was singing and dancing with them and loving on them boys. And I'm going to tell you what, that's what it takes. You see, a lot of these boys here don't have a man in their life. And they desperately need one to be what God wants them to be. And I thank God for an answered prayer, Brother Jim. Let me say, Forgive me, Lord. And then we got the next class coming. Help me, teacher. This is our, come on up here, blast leader. I won't get them up here right quick because I want us to pray over them all. Um, Our next group is Josh. Where is Josh? No. uh,
1: I don't know if Josh and them are doing it yet. They're praying about it. Okay. We have third and fourth, or Aaron.
0: I thought we had them all set up. Not them. Oh. Well, whoever's doing it, come up here. (laughs) Now we look like we really are investing in them. I was told all these had already said they would do it. But I'm going to tell you what. If we don't take this seriously and people don't step up in the church and we just sit here to hear the preacher, you're going to continue to see kids die and go to hell, folks. That's not going to just overcome what we see going on with our world. Who else do we have?
1: We have Miss Patty.
0: Miss Patty. Everybody else that Courtney, comes up that's Cindy. doing this. Courtney.
1: Miss Cindy was helping. Jack doing chairs and Miss Cindy, right
0: here. You helped come up. Yeah, Miss Cindy's a teacher. Miss <laughs> Courtney's we a have teacher already.
1: Sheree and uh, Sam helps with chairs. Uh, um, we just want the teachers right just now. Just
0: the teachers? Well, and whoever else has been The helping. kitchen, do you want the kitchen? Yeah, story? they can come up.
1: Miss Diane, Miss Dottie, and Tiffany. Okay.
0: Whereas Tiffany to had to leave yeah. Diane leads the kitchen You know there's one person here today I got all of us standing here And I knew this was going to be sad But one of our greatest Helpers that we have in the kitchen Is Miss Rhonda Showmeyer And I was envisioning her being up here She'd have been with a walker And if you think you can't do it Let me tell you what this lady does She comes every Wednesday She was here for every VBS She would get out of her van with a walker. She's got an inhaler on her hand and oxygen in her car, and she gets out of her car, and she makes it to that kitchen, and she sits down for 10 minutes getting her breath. And then she would get up, and she would help prepare meals, and she'd sit down, and then she would wait for them to open that door to look at them kids and serve them. And she would do anything to be here today, but you know where she's at? With all of her weaknesses, with all her heart issues and her lung issues, her hip was broken beyond ability. And she said, if I can get my hip fixed, I'll be able to serve more. And she had us prayed with her the last time in there that I talked to her personally before I talked to her on the phone and prayed. She went and had a hip surgery done Tuesday. And after the hip surgery, we don't know why, she had a stroke. And today her family is with the doctor's. Preparing just to let God's hands take over we may not ever see miss Rhonda ever again if miss Rhonda could serve kids There's no reason anybody else in here. Can't do it folks But you gotta want to do it Because I'm here to tell you we have to do it and I want you to look at these people. These are are warriors These are heroes. These are people that I believe is going to get a bigger reward than a lot of us preachers because they're not doing it for a paycheck and not that we are either they don't get the applause and the man's of praise that we like to get and do get many times and I appreciate being loved and appreciate it. They do it because they love kids and they love Jesus. And you ought to be thanking God for them. That they're investing in your kids and I'm here to tell you that they're serious that we have a wonderful bunch of people that are working. We're making plans right now to even do more. But today what they need is people that's going to pray for them. That's going to Every day, lift them up. And look, And I want you to remember who these people are. And I want to ask us today, before we, before we dismiss right now, if you're willing to come up and get one of these people, put your hands on them and pray over them. We're going to dedicate this new year to reaching kids for Christ. We got van drivers. Brother Bart didn't come up. He drives a van. Richard is another one of our deacons. That's Miss Rhonda's brother. He's with her at the hospital today. He drives a van. John Murrow's home sick. He thinks he might be possibly candidate for the COVID that seems to be coming back. But he drives a van. SL sitting right there. He drives a van. How many of you ever drove a van full of kids that none of their parents come to church? It'll make you say that message is real. He was telling the truth. Man, we hear some stuff. Those kids aren't like our kids. They aren't like we were. And they need Jesus, and they're not going to meet him unless we go. But, guys, I'm here to tell you, parents, we're here to assist you. We're here to do everything we can to help you. But you are the one that must teach your children the things of God. I'm going to ask anybody who's willing to come, and we're going to pray over them and ask God's blessing over this. And I'm going to ask Brother Sam, he's our youth pastor, to voice a prayer after we all get up here and pray over our teachers and thank God over our coming new year. And over our youth. Would you do that? All right. Would you stand with me? And if you're willing able to come, would you come and let's pray for these dear people? I'm gonna pray first. All right. Thank you, each one. I'm gonna pray and then Sam's gonna close us. Father, I do thank you for the privilege and honor to serve to minister to kids. I thank you for each one of these that's standing up here today that's made a commitment to invest in the life of a child. Thank you for the parents who entrust us with them each and every week and bring them and let us have the time to teach them about the things that are most important for their eternity, about Jesus, about his word. And Lord, we ask for your help and your anointing and I thank you for what you've allowed us to do so far. But Lord, I pray, just like we've seen those kids baptized today, Lord, help us now to disciple them and teach them. Wake up this world, Lord. Wake up this generation of believers. That, Lord God, it's going bad quickly because the devil knows his time is short. And he hates the things of God. He hates God's creation, especially us who are created in his image. And he is doing all he can to wreck all havoc, to destroy everything that he can before Jesus comes back. So, Lord, help us to wake up in these days and prepare and do our part. Lord, I know I thank you for Christ. I thank you for what he did in my life, what I see him doing in so many lives. And I pray that you'll revive the church, wake up the church. I just look, Lord, and thank you for what's fixing to happen this year again as we continue to strive to do the work that you've called us to do. Thank you for kids. Thank you for parents. Thank you for Jesus. Help us to do our part. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Dear God, thank you for bringing us all here this morning to worship you. I thank you for these adults that are stepping up to lead our classes to teach these children, God. They need... uh, these kids need an opportunity that people are willing to pour their lives into them, pour your wisdom into them, your word into them, uh, to build a basis for them to be able to grow up, be adults, and be shining lights for you, God. That's what we're here for. That's why we serve you. That's why we teach these kids what we do, so that they can grow up to be strong men and women for you, God. I thank you for all of these teachers. I thank you for all of the helpers in the kitchen, those who are helping set up for the church, those who are serving in the vans, God. I thank you. for laying on their heart to serve you. I thank you for what you're going to do this year. God, we're all trusting in you and leaning on you to guide us as we continue to teach and lead these kids. We are so grateful for everything that you've done so far in our ministry here, God, but we look forward to what you're going to do next. Thank you for all the kids that you bring. I ask that you continue to bring more as we continue to reach out for you, God. All these kids, we want to be a light for them and a strong Strong people for them to lean on, God. Strong influences, good mentors, good leadership, God. Help us to be that. Strengthen us every single day uh, to come here prepared for what you have for us, God. It's all in your name. It's all for you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey.
0: Before you leave, I'd like to remind us of some things that are coming up. We got revival services going to be September.